Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. But if you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. This episode is brought to you by Michigan Economic Development Corporation. In Michigan, you can have both a rewarding career and a quality lifestyle. With plentiful career opportunities in world-changing, innovating industries, from electric vehicles to clean energy to biotech. With room for advancement no matter where you are in your career. Plus, Michigan offers a welcoming, beautiful, affordable, and inclusive community for all. Live your best life. You can in Michigan. Visit themichiganlife.org. Every time there's a devastation in your life, every time that you think you're going through some shit, and you know what? Les Brown says in life, you're either in, in a problem, left the problem, or headed toward one. Just understand that God is not going to bless you until you pass the test. And if God gives you a test, puts you through trials and tribulations, and you just want to fucking quit, then God is not going to bless you. You're not worthy of this blessing. Yeah. If you're, if you're persistent, you know, if you have grit, if you persevere, there's a blessing always waiting for you. Yeah. On the outside. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. We have the one and only Sam Bakhtiar with us here today, and I'm excited. We're, we're making the most out of today, brother. I was just on your podcast. Now we're getting you on mine, and it's I've been honestly I've been following you for a while, and obviously we got to we got the chance to meet out in Los Angeles at the Breakthrough event, and it's something where your energy and just the way you carried yourself, I was like, dude, I want to get to know this guy. Like you're very. When you see you and shake your hand, it's a contagious energy that you give off. And I, number one, want to say I really appreciate you coming on my show and taking the time. And I'm super excited to get into your story for sure. Brother, it's an honor and privilege to be on your show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, I mean, first off, I've done a lot of research on you. And I know that you fled from the war in Iran. And you have this crazy story that I don't want to spoil yet. But now you are the CEO of 1% Nutrition and the Camp Transformation Center. And it's one of those things where... Fitness is a priority to you, and if you're watching this video, you, you can see that. And um, I, I want to first just give people the opportunity to hear the current Sam back TR because I think it's something super important whenever I'm listening to a show, as well as I'm sure what you do. I want to know who I'm listening to, right? So give the people some sense of what you spend your time on now. What are you working on? What have you built before we get into the story like you like we've done before? Brother, first and foremost, you know, I'm a fan you know, I live for my family. I live to make my children and my wife proud. You know, you know, you know, growing up without a father, you know, I never wanted that for my children. And I wanted to be the best provider, the best not only provider financially, but provider intellectually, emotionally, you know, in every way of life. So first of all, you know, that's my why and everything that I've done and accomplished is because of that. You know what I mean? Um, yep. so right, you know, at this moment, you know, I'm the CEO of the Camp Transformation Center. You know, we are an international franchise with 125 locations growing, you know, um, and I'm also the CEO of 1% Nutrition, which is um, it's our supplement company online. I'm also the CEO of Myosport Nutrition, which is our supplement company that serves the camps 
you know, um, so this is something that, um, you know, the camp started in um, year 2010. Okay. Here, later, 125 more locations. There's been so many ups and downs, so many problems with relations, so many times I fell and literally, you know, you know, lost everything. But you know what? We're here now. Dude, that's so 125 locations around the world. Dude, that's insane. I didn't even know that myself. So I, I want to start with this, man. So like thinking on where you are now and the story that you've been through, obviously I want to get into where you come from and how you got to where you are. But for people listening today, there's a lot of young entrepreneurs, people that are just starting businesses, people like myself that are 18, 19 years old that are hustling, doing their thing. And real quick before we get into it, I want to I wanna give people some like, some reference so like at 18 years old what was sam doing then because i I want i like to start with this question because it gives people a sense of if they're listening and they're 18 and they're they're going to college or they're thinking about it or they want to start a business just what was your life then and then we'll we'll bring us to that time at 18 i remember ever since i was a little kid my mom told me sam if you want to be successful in life you have to go to college you have to become three what are the three things you know, doctor, lawyer, and engineer. Because if you're not a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you're nobody. You're not really successful. So in my country, my old country, the old way of thinking is that there's a success is you get up, go to a career, preferably doctor, lawyer, engineer, you, you wear a suit and tie, and you know, get your BMW, and you you made it. You know, that was that was yep. the definition of success. So I didn't know anything better. You know, I just knew that I love working out. I fell in love with now, you know, at a very young age when I was 14 years old. And, um, and um, I, I knew I wanted to do something in the workout field. So, when I, you know, I, I started college at 18, you know, my, my mom said, yeah, go to college. You know, and, um, and started, started, you know, you know getting all the, all the requirements to, for a pre-medicine degree. And also studying like all that stuff that I love, like biochemistry and nutrition and, and, and all that kind of stuff. Yep, that's insane. So, and for the people that may have not picked that up, so you, you have a doctorate and you went to college, you did, you did that route and just smashed it at the highest level. What was, what was that experience for you? Like moving out of it now, being in the, the business world, having this massive franchise, like do you recommend, or not even recommend, but like the college route. If someone's sitting here right now thinking, hey, should I go to college? Should I start my business now? As someone that's been through it at the highest level, which I, I haven't personally, I, I didn't go to college, what would be your take on college? Because I think that's a very valid opinion and I'd love to hear it. it, it it's so funny you ask that question. Here, here, here's what you have to understand right now in this space. You know, I remember one of my friends came to sign up with me. We're the best of friends right now. But I didn't know him back then. He came to sign up at my gym. And he said, I said, what do you do? He goes, Sam, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I, I didn't understand what entrepreneur was 15 years ago. Yeah. Now, now every fucking body is an entrepreneur, right? Yep. And you have all these, there are, there are true entrepreneurs such as yourself, but there's a bunch of entrepreneurs yep. that want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't have the discipline and, 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 and the grit and it, to be able to do that, right? So if you are, to me, here's my short answer to that. If you're somebody who's hungry, who is disciplined, and I mean fucking disciplined, you're able to stay on course and stay on track and, and follow your dreams and not get distracted by the shiny office syndrome and, and be punctual and, and, and meet deadlines, you already have those traits in you, then I think the college might be a waste of time. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, now, if you want to become an entrepreneur and you you just can't get out of bed, you want to go go to bed late, you know, get up late, you don't have a plan, you don't you don't have a schedule, you just have a fucking big dream, I want to make a hundred million dollars, but you don't fucking get out of bed, you, you don't you're not punctual, then you can fucking college or you can go to military boot camp. Yeah. You know what I mean? Got you it. gotta have those, those yep. traits is needed for you to be a real entrepreneur. Because real entrepreneur, the problem with a real entrepreneur is this. You don't have a fucking boss. Yeah. Who's gonna hold you accountable? Who's gonna make you do what you said you were gonna do? Yeah. And a bunch of people right now, oh, I wanna do this, and I wanna do that, and I wanna do this. I'm gonna give you an example. I'm gonna give you an example. There's a, there's a guy, you know, um, you know that, that saw my wife pull into Starbucks drive-thru. You know, my wife was driving a Rolls Royce. And goes, oh, what do you do? So, you know, my wife was like, yeah, my my, my, uh, my husband's an entrepreneur and he owns some businesses and things like that. And this kid, you know, probably your age, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur too. You know what I mean? So, and so he messaged me on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And he messaged me on Instagram. I said, he said, hey, man, let me work out with you. I said, all right, tomorrow we're going to 4 a.m. He shows up at 4 a.m. This is his nap. And he said, hey, Cass, can I work out with you? I'm here at 4 a.m. The next day, he doesn't show up. I need you back from him for a week or two. Yeah. Then he messaged me, hey, can I work out with you again? I'm like, no, absolutely not. I said, so why? Because I said, you said the next day you're going to be here. You didn't. Yeah. So to me, that, that, that's kind of, you know, constructive. So you have to understand that if you have those traits, the bombies, you know, college not needed. No, I, I love that, man. I love that. And I, I think we'll, I, I, we'll, we'll get into how you develop those traits, but I want to. I want to take it back to really where everything started for you, because I know, like I said, I've read the articles and you've you've said it here yourself. You you come from Iran and there was a massive war going on, and you and your family fled here with five hundred dollars to your name. And I I want to hear that because I think for me that's something where I know Gary says all the time, like it's and it's an advantage if you utilize it right. Like for me, I grew up in Virginia. I've had two parents that like great support system, and I'm blessed for that. But I think. I'm very genuinely curious in your story and the takeaways that you've had with it and how you got to here in America, what that transition was like, your, your upbringing, your childhood. And I'd love to, for you to just bring us back to like where you were, where you were born and how you got to where you were. We'll get there, but just bring us back to day one, early childhood of Sam. So I was born in Taiwan, you know, and when I was three years old, my mom and my dad split. You know, you know, from what I understand, my dad was, you know, a partying alcoholic guy, you know, who, you know, went in and blew his paychecks, you know, and, you know, I left us without diapers and food, and my mom had to pawn her ring and, and pawn some other stuff to be able to provide for me and all that kind of stuff. So that was a chip on my shoulder. I'm, gonna, I'm saying that for a reason. Because yep. that was like a complex on my shoulder, and that's why I told you earlier that my wife is my kids, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so that was, that was one. You know, growing up, you know, then, you know, I remember one day we were at school, we heard, boom, boom, and everybody said, oh, there's a couple of numbers, we have four. I'm going like, what? I don't even know what it was. We were starting, you know, we were running Iraq, Saddam Hussein started attacking us. And from then to age 11, you know, every freaking night, I heard sirens that were, woo, woo. I mean, you know, and this, when, when, when you're under attack at war, when you're under air attack, you know what they do to the city? You don't know because you haven't been there. They black out the city. They shut down all the electricity in the city. Yep. So this way, the planes don't know where to shoot and where to go. 
you know what I mean, based on landmarks. Yeah. So if we had golden blackout in the city, sirens out, you know, we would have, um, we had to go down the bunkers in the basement, open the bathroom, land on us. And we lived a mile away from the ruler I told me, literally, they were targeting him. So we're living in a lot of fire. I mean, literally, at, at two blocks from our house, there was an anti-air missile on the top of the roof of a house. No way. So literally, literally two blocks up the street, there was an anti-air missile at the top of the roof of one of the homes because it was shooting at the airport that was trying to shoot on us. So growing up, man, but the thing is, when I look back, I didn't know any different. That was my normal life. That's wild. I thought that was normal. Yeah. You know, I, you know, people were like, do you have PTSD from that? I'm like, nothing I know of. <laughs> I didn't know any different. You know, when you yeah. grew up in an environment, you think that's normal. You think that's that's what it is. You know, and and, and, and and that. So at age eleven, you know, at age twelve, they were recruiting people to go to the military. They were telling. You know, and and you're still in Iran at the time. Yes. Got it. You know, in, in, in the, in, you know, the, you know, the, the fundamentalist Muslims. They were telling you, hey man, if you send your kid to the war, and he, if he dies, you automatically go to heaven. All that kind of, all kind of, you know, kind of bullshit. Yeah. yeah. So my mom was like, you know what, I'm going to, I don't like only kids go to work. Let's get out of here. So we basically left with five hundred dollars of luggage. You know, first we went to France as a refugees of work. And then from France we came to America. And when I, we were coming to America, you know, I thought we were coming to Beverly Hills because I was watching American shows. <laughs> you, know, you know, they were showing, you know, Casey Hills and other these shows, but back then that show's called Dallas Dynasty and the Eighteen. Right, yep. and those were like Kardashians and stuff of today. You know where you see like they have these mansions. This big, everybody has this crazy lifestyle, and everybody has Bentleys and Cadillacs and Olympic size swimming pools in their home. And, and so I thought I was going to Beverly Hills, but nobody showed me the hood and the pits of the United States. Yeah. So we got dropped up at the Pittsburgh airport. Mom picked us up and took us to a little town we lived in called Sheridan, Pennsylvania, which is. You know, in 1985, to this day, I think there's like four minorities live there right now. Okay. Know? But in 1985, there was no minorities. I was the only minority. It was the middle of all the steel mills shutting down. The steel industry was struggling. And it was the middle of crack cocaine epidemic. And my uncle had a convenience store in the fucking hood. I'm talking about in the worst area of, of I've ever seen in my life to that day. Yeah. You know, the, the, the road wasn't paid. There was signs that said no loitering or you get arrested. You can't hang out on the street, you know. And it was, it was, and outside of the store, there was pits, prostitutes, and drug dealers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. So I didn't speak the English very well. So we went to, you know, seventh grade to sign up. I said, I want to learn how to be honest. I'm going to go to seventh grade. I want to learn how to speak English. I want to play football. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, and they're like football. And I'm, I'm like, yeah, football. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, this is it. I'm like, no, 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 no. My English is not that good, but I know this is the foot, this is the ball. They're like, no, 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 what you're talking about is soccer. We don't have a soccer team, you know, but we have a football team, a baseball team, and a basketball team. Well, to this day, Casey, I have no idea what baseball is all about. You know, I'm a big football fan, a very football fan now, but back then I didn't know what it was. Okay. So I tried the basketball team because I had, I was, I was, I played sports all my life. Right? So when I did that, you know, um, I got cut from the basketball team. So I've never played basketball before. You know, I tried out. It was one of the most devastating things in my life. Okay. okay. Think about it for a second. Now I'm a father, and now I've come to a new country, 
I got cut from the basketball team. I got devastated. That's two devastations, right? Yep. Two devastations. The war, third, third devastations. You know, and then I can't, you know. Um, so I went home crying to my mom. I said, Mom, I hate this country. Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. I don't speak the language. You know, I don't know their sport. I didn't make the team. Everybody's making fun of me. I don't have the same clothes as everyone else. I have cheap shoes. Everybody's funny making fun of my Bayless shoes. Yeah. You know, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you're from Virginia. You know, the mentality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 100%. Like small town mentality. You know, so, um, then um, my mom was like, well, that's not, we don't have that choice. The choice is you go after school to the boys club, get better at basketball and try next year. So that's what I did. So I started going to the boys club for, for a month or so. Eight last month, I started getting better. But then, you know, one day as I was walking, I saw these guys that we were going upstairs and coming down from the stairs, this little room upstairs. And it was a, um, it, it was, you know, these guys looked like Arnold. Okay. You know, and, and rocky, they had muscles. Like yeah, yeah. I would have looked like them. I went upstairs one day to see what's going on. Man, there was a bunch of old steel workers with like, with like boots. We got boots on and they were just like lifting insane weight, chewing tobacco, spitting, slapping <laughs> each other, listening to some obscene music and, and just, it was a man's man's gym. Yeah, yeah. You know, busted weights, craziness, you know. And, uh, you know, I was, I was 120 pounds soaking wet. I had the worst genetics. I had small arms, small chest, and a big fat belt. You know, <laughs> I would leave. I would wait for them to leave every day, and I would go up there and I would start working out. Next thing you know, after a few months, I started seeing some differences, and I started feeling better about myself. I fell in love with bodybuilding and lifting weights because not only would it make me feel better on the outside, I started looking better, and people started noticing me and you know that. But all of a sudden, my self-esteem went up, my self-confidence yeah, yeah. went up, and the way I carried myself went up. Right there and then, I knew that that's going to be what I'm going to do the rest of my life, right? I knew that. But unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, my mom always said, ever since I was a little kid, you have to be a doctor or an engineer. Yep. So as I was graduating college, I'm like, well, I don't want to operate on anyone. I don't want to drill somebody's team. This is not what I'm going to do. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to figure out what doctor has to do with muscles and bones and all the nutrition, and I don't have to do that. I did my research. I saw that chiropractic was the best option. Yep. So after I graduated from Penn State with my pre-med degree, I went to Los Angeles College of Chiropractic, you know, got my doctor degree. This whole time I started bodybuilding since I was 18, you know, and, yep. and I grew out throughout the whole time through college, you know, I started bodybuilding, putting bodybuilding shows, going up the ranks and going up the ranks. And once I graduated from, you know, chiropractic got my doctor degree, I gave my diploma to my mom. My mom, I have a picture of my mom holding my diploma like this, like I'm <laughs> putting the, you know, the championship. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I told my mom, I said, look, I, this is your diploma. Go talk to all your, go drag, you know, brag to all your friends that you signed the doctor. That's what you wanted. Yep. Can I borrow $20,000? I had $20,000 saved up for my thing. Can I Because I want to open up a gym. So I borrowed $20,000 from my mom, put in my $20,000, and I started my first facility right here in Chino. Wow. In February 15th of 2000. 2000? That's my year. <laughs> yeah, I was born in 2000, so that was, okay. I just want to give context to the people listening. Yeah, you know, so I, you know, I started my, my first gym, you know, and wow. I didn't know anything about marketing, basically. I didn't know anything about business. I just knew about human body. I knew about anatomy, you know, anatomy, so I was a biomechanics. Okay. So I just sheer, you know, just loving to help people. I started growing the business, growing the business, growing the business, growing the business. 
And then once, you know, I started, okay, man, I'm going to get married here pretty soon. I want to start a family. Maybe I need to take this more seriously. And I don't want this to be something that's going to support my bodybuilding career. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, so for me, I was cool making up money to do my bodybuilding, have a little stuff, have a nice car, have a house, but that's it. Yeah. But now I need to that take it to the next level. That's where I started you know, getting mentors, getting coaching. Yeah. Started learning about marketing, started learning about, um, you know, persuasion, you know, started learning about sales tactics and optimizing everything. And after starting, you know, going to seminars and getting mentors, I started blowing it up till I started blowing up exponentially every year. So, you know, in 2007, I was doing $2.4 million gross revenue from a 3,000 square foot facility. Wow. But then the recession hit. And nobody told me. I never knew about ups and downs in the economy. I never had a dad. Nobody told me what yeah. goes up, what's come down. Because in 2007, you know, my ego got pretty inflated. You know, I was making what I thought was good money. Mm-hmm. You know, but what I thought, oh my God, you know, you know I'm from Cheryl, Pennsylvania. Yeah. You know, like you said before, you know, you make eighteen, twenty thousand dollars a year, right? Yeah. You know, you make we make fifty thousand dollars a year over there. You're sixty thousand dollars a year, you're falling out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm making twenty grand a month. Yeah. I think so. I'm going like you can't tell me nothing. Yep. You could have told me nothing. I made it twenty grand a month. Nobody is sharing those twenty grand yep. a month. You know, I made more money than the whole town. You know, you know, and, and so then, like I said, I started getting careless with my investment, careless with my spending. You know, I was going out, fucking doing bottle service, acting like P. Diddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing dumb shit until, you know, the economy hit. And that was another devastation that just punched me in the mouth. Punched me in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. That I'm going to do $2.4 million to literally, you know, a, a year later, I'm doing $600,000. So I lost one point eight million dollars revenue one year for the same overhead. Wow! You know, I remember taking my wife to lunch. My wife is pregnant with our first, six months pregnant. At lunch, I'm crying to her. It's not fucked up. We're negative three hundred fourteen dollars in our account. Payroll is due in twenty days, mm. and I have nothing. So now. All the time that I want to become a super dad, now it's being taken away, right? Yeah, and because your kids are just about, it's six months pregnant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now I don't know what to do, because now I don't know what to do. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to be just like the super dad I had. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm not going to be able to do anything. I'm going to be a deadbeat dad, sap, you know, all these negative thoughts. So what I did was I went and I just was like, I'm, I'll do what I do best. I'm going to fucking work. I started working 19, 20 hour days trying to turn things around. Nothing's happening. Turn things around. Nothing's happening. Nothing, nothing, nothing's happening. Till, you know, in, in 2010, you know, you know, Ali, which was Alejandro Fund, my business partner now, approached me and said, Sam, let's open up a boot camp. I'm like, boot camp? I'm like, I'm like those are just, you know, the, the, the aerobics classes. Yeah. Results. And she said, I'm like, I'm not interested. She was looking on Sam. So I'm like, you know what? Let me get rid of this chick real quick. I give her like a list of shits to list. I'm like, I'm gonna lose her, right? And uh, when I give her a list of stuff to do, the next day she came and got it done. I said, you know what? I want you to do more stuff. She got it done. Now I'm stuck. I got it. I got to follow through with my work. Yep. Right. I probably had eleven thousand dollars on my life. Yeah. You know, so, so I, said, I, I said, Ali, I have eleven thousand dollars on my bank now. She goes, I'll take nine of it. So she took nine thousand of it. I said, okay, you go do your thing. 
So she started a camp. We literally had no flooring, concrete floors, just yeah. every box, a CD. And we started it, just like we started it. Yeah. Content, with nothing. Yeah. Right? Next thing you know, the camp records started going up and going up and going up and going up and going up. Next thing you know, we're now having two locations, three locations, four locations, five locations. Next thing you know, we have other people that are interested in opening up their own camps. You know what I mean? Yep. And you know, and, and it's getting you know, it's getting crazy now. And now we're a international franchise, 125 locations, and we're Dude. You said 40 million? 40 million. Wow, man, Dude, that is. I don't even know what to say to that, man. Uh, it it blows my mind too. So I want to I want to pinpoint this. So you're having so much success, and then everything falls. Your negative three hundred dollars in your account. Like, I want you to tell the people listening, like, what's going through your mind in that moment? Because like that's that's something that stood out to me. Of like someone's listening, and maybe they haven't had the success, but maybe they're they're passed on their bills. But it's you guys. You you've had this massive success. You've tasted it, and then you lost it all. And I think that's. That's something that you only get through experience, right? So, like, during that moment of full uncertainty, like, what was the motivation that, like, brought you back into gear that you have a kid coming soon and you have negative $300, payrolls up next? Like, you're at, like you just said, the the worst of the worst when you, you your whole goal was to be this dream dad. And I think, for me, that was, that was definitely one of the highlights throughout that story, what you just said, was, like, I'm sure that was one of the the hardest moments of everything, and I think I'd wanna I wanna touch on that and go more in depth on that because I think it's there's a lesson to be learned whether someone has had success or they're just in that negative situation now and haven't had success. It's it's there's there's a mentality that you need to have or create to to go from where you are now to where you want to be, and I, I'd love to get your point of view on that. So so I'm sitting there, you know, like I said, my my, my bank account is overdrawn by three hundred fifteen dollars. I have $20,000 due in, in literally two weeks, and I don't know what to do. So at this point, at this time, you know, what, what is going through my mind is like this. Sam, you know, you're not going to be like your father. You're not going to be another guy who's going to have kids and not be able to provide the best of life. You're just not going to do that. I didn't have a game plan. I didn't know what to do, but I just knew that. I will not allow that. It's absolutely a no-no in my in my world. You know, my yeah. whole reason, my whole existence, my whole identity is to be the best provider for my family. That's not who I did. Yep. You know, if you take that away from me, you took my whole heart. Yep. You know, you know, I live to provide for my wife, my children. Like I said, in, in every way possible. You know, and so I went to work. And all I did was work 20 hours, 21 hours, 22 hours. Sleep was an option. You know, and I went and tried to do whatever I can to turn this around. And for those people who are listening to this, look, you have to understand that in life, you are going to get knocked down. You are going to get punched straight in the fucking face. You know, you are going to be against the ropes. That's going to happen. This is how you deal with it. You can't just sit down and just be, you know, have a self-pity, you know, for too long. Hey, look, do I have my bitch moments? Yes, I have my bitch moments. I have my self-pity moments, just like anybody else. I'm not the raw-raw guy 24-7-365. I still have doubts. I still have things that I deal with that my wife, I, I can't lose. I'm not, I didn't come here with all across the, the ocean yeah. to fucking lose. I'm not going to do that. So yep. if I have a bad day, I have a really bad day, so you know what I'll do? The worst that's going to happen? 
I just fucking have a fucking, I have some pizza, a fucking little steak. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, tomorrow, I get up, it's a whole new fucking day. I'm ready to take it on. I, I approach it at, okay, if I need to be here, and I'm here now, what the fuck do I need to do every single day to, to check out it? To mm-hmm. check out it. And I just go to work. Here's the problem. If you thought that was devastating, something a lot more devastating happened after. Okay. What was that? Okay. And, and, and so, I told you my identity, right? Yep. I didn't need uh, to be a husband, to be a father, to be a big baseball writer. So when I was down, all I did was go to work, go to work, go to work, go to work, try to, try to figure out a different program, try to figure out a different day, try to figure out a different funnel, try to, you know, you know, just try everything out there to try to make ends meet, right? So that was a period of between 2009 and 2014. Okay. Which I was, I would come home after working 18, 20 hour days, and I would sit on the couch. My ex wife was trying to talk to me, and I wouldn't even hear it because I was just, it was almost like PTSD, right? Yeah. Like I was just in the zone trying to figure what I wanted to do, right? And I remember we got in a fight, an argument. I'm at work. I'm starting to see Casey. I'm starting to see the money coming back. I'm starting to get back on my feet. You know, at that point, at that time, my house was being foreclosed on. I was late two years on my payment wow. on the house. I'm starting to get back on my feet. It's starting to look better. And they say, about work, sir, we got papers for you to sign. And I was like, what? I looked, there were divorce papers. Wow. And now I'm going like, what? I'm going like, what? And then she's like, wow, I want you to move out the house, this is over. And I'm going like, what? So I'm 40 years old. My house was being foreclosed on for two, for two years because I was two years dead on my payment. I was broke as a joke. From 2009 to 2014, I'm talking about broke as a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, just able to you know feed the family and, and, and keep yeah. keep us nothing of luxury, right? And then all of a sudden, when I started seeing a little comeback, bam, get hit with that. So wow. I go I go stay in a hotel room. You know, if you ever been to Chino Hills Hotel Room, right? seventy one, there's a there's a Chino Hills Hotel in Chino Hills. Okay. You know, and I, and I said, all right, I'm going to stay here for a month, see what happens. You know, and one month turned two months, two months, three months, three months, four months. We're not getting back. When I was like, okay, not even in the park. And I remember being in that hotel room, you know, 40 years old, just got out of being broke, and now I lost my family. Mm. You know, and that was the most devastating. That's that's where I became the beast. Okay. Because at that point, I said, Sam, okay, you lost your family now. You live in a hotel. What are you gonna do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? You know, my, my, my natural instinct was go back to what I was doing when I was single. Go out to the club, start drinking, chase women, go to a strip club, make her rain, or be a dumbass. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't know what, I don't want to do that too much. So, what are my top priorities? I sat down and said, you know, my, my top priority is number one, be with my children. But I can't be with my children because now we have joint custody. Yeah. I see them on Wednesdays and on the weekends. So if I'm not with my children, what I'm going to do? If I'm not going to be with my children, then I'm going to provide for my children. So I recommitted myself going back in the gym. And every second that I wasn't with the kids, I was working. Literally working. And that's when we started building up the camp. If you look at the camp, we only had like 10 locations in 2014. 
And from 2014 to now, we, we, we added like 115 locations. Yeah. Because <laughs> I went all in to work. I went all in. I had nothing better to do. I said, if I'm, a, if I'm not going to you know, be with the kids, I might as well just fucking work and build up. Wow. Again, let's, let, let, let's, I want to go back and I want to get thoughts. Yeah, yeah. If you look at the war, if it wasn't because of the war, I would have came to the United States. If it wasn't because I had a me dash, I wouldn't be a super dad that I am now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really that, that dad that once. I, I, I overcompensate for it. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? If it wasn't because of the economy, you know, you know, getting more close, I would learn about the finances that I do now. I would make decisions that I make now. Yep. And I sure as hell, you know, would have stayed in a marriage that I, that I was not happy at just for the same state. Yep. I would have met my wife that I have now, which is my love, my, my everything. Yep. So going back, if you, if you guys listen to this, Every time there's a devastation in your life, every time that you think you're going through some shit, and you know what? Les Brown says in life, you're either in, in a problem, left the problem, or headed toward it. But this is life, just get used to it. You get yep. used to it. I don't care if you're a billionaire, I don't care if you're a millionaire, I don't care if you're a book. This is just life, right? Yep. Just understand that God is not going to bless you until you pass the test. And if God gives you a test, puts you through trials and tribulations, and you just want to fucking quit, and God's not going to bless you. You're not worthy of his blessing. Yeah. If you're, if you're persistent, you know, if you have grit, if you persevere, there's a blessing always waiting for you. Yeah. On the you just have to, you just have to show that you're worthy of it. No, that's, that's insane, my man. And I want to kind of break this down because I think hearing like going from the 125 locations, $40 million in revenue to being in a war and tra- going from Iran to America, like you've lived multiple lives, I, it, it seems like, right? Like so many different identities and so much success, but also you've had the worst of the worst. And I think for people listening, like when you say working and hustling and even when it comes to just running a business, like where do you think you had the edge? For example, is it that you've had the right business partners? Is it because you've, you, is it the, the product itself? Was that the thing that you were able to, to sell relentlessly? Like for you, when it comes to scaling from five, 10 locations to then now having 125, what is it from like a core business philosophy that you believe has allowed you to scale? Maybe is it is it the, the relentless to face your fears and scale beyond measures when you didn't know what it was? Willing to take risks. Okay. And it's always been, I'm willing to risk. Okay. You know, you know, you know I, I'm the, always the only one that's, that's willing to try anything. I'm like, okay, what's the worst that can happen? Bells or bells. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that, oh my God, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. You know, and so I would say the willingness to take risks. Okay. And the willingness to fail yep. is what, what, what has made me who I am. I got And do you think... I'm just thinking because in terms of like the scalability of the business, was social media a, a like a valuable resource to scale, or how has social media played a role? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, look, Casey. Back in the day when I was your age, yep. <laughs> you know, back in the day when I was your age, you know, if we wanted to scale that big, the only way we were able to scale that big is through television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then I was competing with Coca Colas and Pepsi Colas and Chevrolet and, and companies who had billions of dollars. So a little guy like me couldn't compete. Yeah. And there's no way I could compete with the, with the big boys on national television. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. Yeah. And these right now, you can go in, you know, put a video up, you can shoot the video yourself. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can target it with laser precision. Who wants to see it? What interest do you have? Where do you want to live? Never in the world, never in the history of the world has been so easy to make fucking money than it is today. Yeah. So if you're sitting down there and you're fucking broke, it's because you have a choice to be broke. You yep. don't want it bad enough. All you have to do is solve that problem and find out how to target people with strong social media. Yeah. There's yeah. Social media, man. Yep, 100%, 100%. So, so when did you start building, I know I, we talked about this on your show as well, personal brand. Obviously, you have a massive audience personally now and obviously you're, you're running your companies. When did you start building you as an individual on social media, getting your story out there? Because obviously it's such a, an amazing story that I'm, it's impacted hundreds if not millions of people. When did that, I would say, decision take place to say, hey, I need to tell my story online? I'm so glad you say that, man. So glad you can say that because... I didn't even get into it until later stages. Okay. You know, I didn't even get into it until later stages. You know, I was all you know, I was always the kind of person, well, you know, my story, who cares about my story? You know, you know, and for you somebody's watching this right now and they're like, Well, my story is not that interesting. I bet you it's fucking interesting. Yeah. So somebody out there they can recognize you and they can and, and, and you're relatable to that. You know what I mean? Just because you don't think it's interesting, it is interesting to people and I guarantee that. And a personal brand, I was talking to Dan Flashman. Yep. You know, you know, you're, you're, you're good friends with them. And Dan says, whether you like it or not, you have a personal brand. Yep. You know, whether you like it or not, you are, and, and, it is, and it's so true. Yep. But here's the when I really got serious about getting my message out there and growing my personal brand about who I am, what I stand for, what I've been through, was literally about a year ago. That's so wild. <laughs> you know, like, literally, that's where, that's where I became, I started doing that. A year ago, I started it. About six, seven months ago is when I actually decided to hire the group. Yeah. You no, know, because I don't know all this camera shit. No. Yeah. Like, I don't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I smart people like Lucas working with me. Yeah. You know, I actually work with me. I got Arturo working with me. You know, I have, uh, you know, Kevin working with me. I have, um, you know, um, Alexander working with me. So these guys are the people, you know, that, that come in that are a lot smarter and help me, you know, get my message out. But honestly, if I know what I know now, and that's why when he told me about, you know, that new app. Yeah, TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he told me about TikTok, you know, I'm like this. I'm like, you know, the only thing I wish is if I would have got into the Instagram game way before I did, I'd really get into literally a little over a year ago. That's crazy. A little over a year ago. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and, and I'm like, wait a second. If I would have got into the girl when you got in it, you know, I would have been so much more ahead. I would have done so much better. But now, when somebody like you tells me this, I take it for granted. For sure. Okay, no, that, that, that's a year ago too. So I, I'd like to say this. So when it comes to the correlation between your personal brand and your business, what has been the significant, is there, has there been an advantage? Has, do you think it's helped your company overall or how has having a personal brand allowed your company to grow or what's been the repercussion of it? Because I think I, I talk on it a lot and I want people to understand how it's worked for someone at your scale. Let me very simple for all the readers and all the listeners of your podcast. You know, your company is never going to outgrow you. Okay? Yep. So, by you, and also, let me give you another nugget. People want to do business with people. Yep. Not with companies. Okay? So, yes, I sell a franchise called the Cam Transformation Center. Yes, you know, I have a supplement company. 
but they're not buying a camp because they can't, they're buying a camp because of my personal brand, because of my business partner's personal brand, and because of whom we stand and what we want. There's a billion other franchises out there. There's a billion other supplement companies out there. You know, you, you buy first form, not because it's first form. You buy first form because behind it's still and what he stands behind it, yep. what he does, and you know, what he represents. Bottom line, man, and if you're not getting into building your personal brand, and you're not doing that every day, you're leaving a lot of money down on this table. And if you, I don't even care if you have a product right now or you don't have a product right now, you have done set, you at all time need to be building your personal brand at all time. I love it. I love it. No, I, I, and I want people to understand that because obviously, as you know, like that's that's been what's given me the opportunities to talk to people like yourself and to to be in these different circles of successful people is having a brand. And I, I, I want to take a step back too in terms of the business. What would you say in terms of like getting to a hundred franchises? What was the mentality or the daily habits that had to change to scale? Whether you have 10 locations and then 100, I'm sure there's there's different time management, there's different habits, there's different things that you need to do on a daily basis, there's different ways you need to think. So like for you today, like what has been the growth of daily habits and how do you operate day to day? Because I think that's always even my question of like, how do you get from where you are today and what do you have to do or who do you have to become to get to where you want to be? And you've, you've been through that process. So I'd love for you to break that down to us. So, so for me, it's always been reverse engineering the goal. Yep. To, 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 to the smallest time amount that you can possibly do. You know what I mean? You know, so let's just say somebody wants to lose 100 pounds. I don't think I don't know somebody or somebody wants to make X amount of money. Okay. What do you need to do every single day to get towards it? Yep. To get towards it. To get towards it. You reverse engineer it to a year, you reverse engineer it to a month, to, to, to six months, to a month, then to a week, then to a day, then to an hour, then to a minute. You yep. know, what needs to be done every single day? And that, that's what the problem with a lot of people not hitting the goal is because they don't have an exact plan. An exact plan is a daily ritual. Daily ritual that's going to get you towards, chip away towards the goal and get you get, get towards it. And it has changed. You know, we realize that. When, when we started scaling, realized that we're no longer in the gym business. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're in the franchise business. We have to realize that we're just, we need to now support our franchisees, not worry about opening up our own more gyms and our own thing. Yeah. That, that was a huge shift now that kind of like took us a whole different direction. And in business, you have to understand that you either evolve or you perish. Yep. 100%. No, that, that makes sense. So so when you're thinking at it from a franchise model now, like for example, walk through the process. If someone wants to become a franchisee, like what is what is the process? Because I think if people don't understand that business model, I want to give them some like tactical information. Maybe they want to get into the fitness space or maybe they just want to know more about like, hey, if I was to start a franchise one day, like how does that work? I'd love to get some insight on that. So, so you have two choices to go when you want to do business, right? You, you, you know, there's, there's really three choices. You say you want to be in the fitness business. You can go work for somebody that has a fitness business and become an employee. Yep. Because we don't want as an entrepreneur show. Right? Yep. Or, or, or two, you know, go open up your location, go open up your location, call it Casey's, you know, Casey's gym. Yep. You know, and, 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 and then go through all the trials and tribulations of kind of learning things on your own and, 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 and failing on your own. There's just nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Or you're like, you know what? You know, I'm going to prove it system. Yep. I want a proven system. I want to have something that has a standard operating procedures. I don't want to figure this shit by myself. You know, if somebody's already doing it and successful, I want to be able to get that system and emulate it and have it 
And that's where the franchising comes. That's why people buy McDonald's. That's why people buy, yep. you know, the can or any franchise out there because they have a proven business model. Got and it. so, so we already, like I said, we already made all the decisions. We already have done. We come in, we give you everything from A to Z, so you can enjoy what you're doing. You know, and if somebody wants to say, for example, you're interested, anybody's interested, they go, they apply online. You know, they have to fill out an application. And obviously, we got to figure out what where, what locations are interested in. And that territory is available. Yep. That territory is available. You know, we do a background check. You know, we do a financial financial check. We do an interview, and if it's the right fit, then we sell the territory. Then that then the, the whole uh, planning process starts. God, now that's 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 interesting. And and I I want to switch it up real quick too. So like as as successful, and you've became so just a whole different person than where you're originally from. So like, what does your family or your peers or the people that you grew up with, maybe that's your mom or whoever it is, like when they look at what you've been able to build today, like how does that make them feel? Going back to the main point of family, and I know we spoke about this as well in terms of like seeing someone take the chance, go for it. Maybe you, people believe in you, maybe they didn't. Like how was how has your family been affected and how do they think on what you do? Like, is it just something where they're like, what the heck happened? Like, what, what would you say that's been like in your life in terms of like the seeing what you've been able to build and what's been the... Of course, every, every one of them right now says, Sam, you know, I knew you were made. I, I, I knew you were made. Yeah. I mean, but I'm not sure if that's the truth. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. You know, I mean, there was time that my mom was like, like you know, you need to borrow money again. Yeah, Jesus Christ. You know, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, um, you know, and you know, like I said, we, we don't come from an entrepreneurial family. We don't come from that. So I was the one, I was always the black sheep of the family. I'm the Persian guy who shaves his arms and shaves his body. Yeah. Oh, I thought I was gay. Yeah. You know I mean? like, oh my God, my son is gay. Like, oh my God, you shave your arms and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, 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 and not, it, we come from a very, very, very close-minded, ignorant thinking. Okay. You know, you know, we, you know that, that's just our family. You know, that's the, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know we get, everything has to be a certain way. Yep. And 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 and, and, and when they see me, you know, you know, don't eat the same food as they do because I want to, I want to look a certain way, or I don't, you know, I don't want to sit down and watch TV all day, or I don't want to play cars and gamble all day. Yeah. You know, that's, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. So. I want you to I want you to answer this. So like nowadays, when it comes to your network and the people that you're around, obviously we, we met an event, we spoke at the event together at and you, you have quality people in your life, whether that's people like Andy Frisella or people like we've talked about Joel Marion and just this network of people in this industry, in this space. How how did you build this world class network of people, whether whether that's mentors or just associates? Because for me, that's been the biggest difference, and I think a lot of young people listening, you know, they want that. They want to change their influence because maybe they're around people that are partying every day and doing drugs, and not they don't have goals or it doesn't match their future and their plan. So for you, like number one, like how have you built your network? And number two, what would you say to someone young that's looking to get out there and expand their horizons and meet new people, but truly build a support system? In a circle of influence that can propel them forward. You know, I've soon learned that if I'm the biggest fish in the pond, I'm not inspired. I'm not inspired. You know, I don't like to be inspired. I want to live an inspired life. Yep. I don't. I don't want to have the best house in the neighborhood. 
you know, I don't want to have, you know, you know, I want to be the richest man on the block. I want to look and be like, God, I wonder what this guy is. Yeah. God, what that guy? So I've never been that. So for me, you know, all my life, Casey, I was along with the wrong associations mostly. I'm from Sharon, Pennsylvania. You know where we from. Yeah, yeah. I'm not that and that mentality, people standing on the fucking porch, sitting on the couch on the porch, drinking and fucking talking shit everybody. Yeah, right? yeah. Or they do over there, you know what I mean? Yep. So I, I want to take my mindset to the next level. I had to change my association. I had to go around people who inspire me, you know, around people who are doing better than me, or are, 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 are people that are where I want to be. Yep. So basically, yeah, 100%. So what was the first step in that direction that allowed you to do that? Going to, going to events, going to seminars, going around, going around like-minded people hang out. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, if you, I mean, I'm going to give you an example. I don't know if it's the right example or wrong example, but I'm, you know, let's just say that you're looking for a wife. Uh-huh. Right? You know, you know, that's what you want to do. Like, you know, where do you go? Do you go to an after-hour nightclub in Hollywood to look for a wife? I don't think that's the right idea. You might find a wife, but it's probably they're not right for the right wife. Really. Yeah. You know, for you go, you know, or do you go, you know, in, in a place where, you know, how we go to a grocery, we go to a healthy grocery store, we go to church, or go yeah, yeah. somewhere, we other than that. So you have to put yourself in a favorable environment. It's so hard. This, this is something I learned, I learned from one of my mentors. Yeah. And I want people to learn this and write this down. This is right now. You know, that it's so hard to do the right thing in the wrong environment. Mm, that's deep. That's so true. That's I have a couple more questions as well, and and I want to say this in terms of looking back at some of the your failures, and if someone's listening today and they, and they just not even they don't feel stuck, but they're like, wow, like they're they're playing this game of comparison. I think I I spend a lot of time with young people and people that are my age, and like they they see maybe they see it and they believe they can do it, but. Looking back, what would you tell that 18-year-old that's confused, that's lost, that has no skin in the game in any sort of business venture or just getting on social media? This is, like you said on, on your show, of someone's just completely unaware of the opportunities today. Where do they start with you seeing the environment of what it is today with social media and the people to follow? Like, What would you say to someone that's 18, 19, about to maybe go to college or they graduated high school, someone that's been through anything from having a doctorate to losing and having negative in your bank account to having 125 franchises to being in a war zone. Like you've, you've seen so many different environments and you've stood the test of time to understand the mentality that it takes. And so looking back and that, that 18 year old that they don't know what to do next, what do you tell somebody as step one to move in the right direction? Yeah, the first thing first is this, you gotta do what makes your soul I mean, what, what, whether it's, you know, you can't just do things because I'm making money, I'm making money, I'm making money. Because at the end of the day, you have to love what you do. Yep. Now, find what you love to do and become the best at it. And when you do that, the money is going to follow with it. Yep. You know what I mean? I, I think that I want to become a bodybuilder. I want to help people lose weight, you know, you know, get in shape, you know, build muscle. That's all I wanted to do. And I became the best actor. I, I bought every book. I went to every seminar. If you come to my library, there's half of women's personal development books and half of nutrition workout books. Yeah. I mean, you know, I became the master of that. And, you know, when you start out, understand this. You are going to fail. And there's nothing wrong with failing. Yeah. You know, one, one thing that Grant Cardone said, 
a few months ago and I, and I know it was on his video that, that I was like, you know what, man? I don't agree with everything you say, but this is pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah. He said, in baseball, you get three strikes and you're out. In life, you get a limited swings. Yeah. So, so why the fuck do you stop swinging? Yeah. You keep swinging, 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 and I guarantee you sooner or later, you're going to hit it out of the park. Yep. You're going to get it's not, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Yeah. Yes. If you don't swing, and you don't swing, and after a couple of times you fail, and you go, you go back to your little corner, find a little bitch, oh my God, you know, I'm a failure, I'm a failure, it's like that, then you're not going to Yep. You know, understand that failure is part of success, man. I have to, I tell people this, you go on my website, I have nothing to fucking, you know, I have nothing to hide. I've been divorced. I've been arrested. I've been bankrupt. You know, you know, I've been, my house has been foreclosed on. Yeah. You know, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm taking drugs. I've been, I've been the worst of the worst and, and, and I didn't even become a real man since I was 32. Mm-hmm. I didn't even, I don't think I even my first personal development since I was 30. Yeah. You know, and so if you're like, oh, you're 25, 28, 29, I don't give a fuck if you're 40. I remember, I remember um, going to, you know, one of my, uh, one of my clients uh, couldn't pay her rent in one of her gyms. Okay. And I told, you know, and I told her I'll go to talk to a landlord with her. So we went to the landlord, and the landlord was a Jewish guy in Beverly Hills. You know, he, he, they own blocks, blocks of yeah. land in Beverly Hills, blocks of buildings. You know, and I remember, you know, we sitting in the waiting room, and I remember this older gentleman come out, and we were both on our phones, and he smiled, and he goes, wow, this looks like nobody communicates anymore. You know, you guys are just on your phone. And he had a great aura about it. Yeah. Then later on, another young, little younger man comes out, I come to find out the younger, the older man was the younger man's dad. Okay. And he was the landlord. And I, as I was telling him, I said, look, you know, I forgot his name. I said, Mr. So-and-so, look, we're not trying to chip you. My client right now, you know, this rent doesn't make sense for her. You know, and this rent is way over what the business needs to be and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And he said, no, Sam, because I understand. Thank you so much for coming and telling me, for being transparent about it. He goes, let me tell you something. Because my dad was 50 years old, the old gentleman. My dad was yeah. 50 years old when we got a knock on our door and get evicted from the building. He said, I looked at my dad. I said, Dad, aren't you worried? And, and he looked at his son and said, you know what? Son, I made it before. I know how to make it back again. Mm. That was 50. Now, these guys own... Streets in Beverly Hills. Yeah. I'm talking about a half a billion dollars, half a million, billion dollars, half a billion dollars in building in Beverly Hills, and the guy was 50 years old being evicted. So, wow. I don't want to hear about someone's self pity or, oh, I'm too old or I'm doing this. As long as you have a dying you know, desire, as long as you have a will, the grit, and are willing to go through the pain, are willing to fail, are willing to do whatever the fuck it takes for you to be going to where you want to go, then I don't want to hear it. Just keep going. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I have, I have one more question before we wrap it up, and that is, from a, from a day-to-day basis, I know that you said earlier, when, when it comes to the time you wake up, to the, the information you have in your mind, I'd love to get, like, from your perspective, what is some 
content or things you do. Remember, maybe it's a podcast you listen to or a book that you would recommend as like the top thing that if someone reads this, it'll sharpen their mind. I'd love to get to some of the the content or information that you listen to that you that you'd recommend as like if someone would say, "Hey, Sam recommended this to me and it could make my life better." What would that one book or one podcast be? Okay, so I love I love and my life and Priscilla's podcast. Yep. You know what I mean? You know, I, I mean, I, I love, you know what I mean? And, and, and he's a little more entertaining because Andy just, you know, cusses all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I mean, that keeps me out of so people are offended. I like that shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, it keeps me on my fucking toes, right? So so I do that. I listen to Tony Robbins everything. Matter of fact, I got Tony Robbins CDs from back in the day. Bunch of CDs. I literally just bought a Walkman, a, a, a CD Walkman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Let's I, go. I, so when I go take the dog for a walk every day for two miles, I'm listening to Tony Robbins CDs and it's reinforcing everything. But let me tell you, man, I mean, if if I'm going to recommend a book to your audience, which your audience is a little younger, I will recommend The One Thing. The One Thing? Oh, The One Thing. Yep. Because, because I think that the problem with the younger generation right now is that they're trying to do everything. They're trying to be everything to everyone. Yep. They're trying to do a million different things. And you don't need to do that. You need to be the best at one thing. It's called a 10,000 hour rules. Yep. You know, my foot got to tipping point. You know, put in 10,000 hours in one fucking thing and be the best at it and you make a lot of money. Don't put a thousand hours in here, thousand hours here, and a thousand hours here. Oh, I think this is going to work. We do here. Go half-ass a bunch of, bunch of things. Go all in and fucking become the best at one thing. And, and I see so many people get caught up in the shiny object syndrome. Yep. You know, and oh, let me check this out, let me check this out, let me check this out. Don't do that. Do what you love to do. Become obsessed with the one thing that you want to do and you're going to make it fucking tough. I love it. I love it. So, so Sam, for for the people that are listening that want to, obviously, I know that you have a podcast and you have, you put out a lot of content on social media. Like you said, you've been doing it for a year now, and you've built a massive brand. Where where can people follow you and get more engaged with what you're doing? Cool, man. Thank you so much for that. You know, obviously, at Instagram, you know, at Sam back to your stuff, B-A-K-H-T-I-A-R. You know, my website www.sambacktr.com. Or just Google my name, Sam Bactiar, yep, yep. you know, I'm, you know, and I, and I, just like you do, I mess, I answer all my DMs, yep. you know, and, and, and I'm, 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 I'm pretty involved, I love it, I love to be social, I love to, I love to be able to add value, and, um, yeah, reach out to no, and I'll, and I'll make sure to link everything down below, man. But Sam, I just want to say again, thank you so much. And I, it's something where since the day we met and when we finally got connected in Los Angeles, man, I, I definitely look forward to building and growing with you. And I know my audience, I'm super glad that we got to, to collaborate and have you on the show. Cause I've been following your content for a while and definitely means the world to me, man. So thank you so much for coming on. Nothing but, nothing but respect for you, Casey. Thanks so much, Sam. Okay. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters, streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus.